Let us begin our sermon with prayer. Gracious Father, you do not desire the loss of anyone's soul, but that all should come to repentance. Bless the words of today's sermon so that we may be convicted of our many sins and joyfully grasp anew the comfort of your Holy Spirit who creates and sustains our faith so that we may be justified by your Son who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our text for our sermon is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1-2. through 2. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the elect, temporary residents in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient and to be sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. This is the word of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, there are two American homegrown cults that base somewhat loosely on the scriptures that come and knock on your doors and usually at very inconvenient times. And if you get the one members of the one cult and you talk to them very long, one of the things they'll tell you if you get into a conversation about the Trinity is that the word Trinity is never found in the scriptures. And they're right. But you know, I always respond, neither is the word gravity. However, the concept is, and there are people who fall out of windows and die in the scriptures because of gravity. As I said, the word Trinity is not found in scriptures. It was invented by Tertullian around 200 AD to explain that God is three in one. Try une to explain the concept. And the concept is definitely found in scripture. And in today's text, Peter is writing to people who are enduring, as he says, Fiery trials, not just slight, simple trials, fiery trials. And we know the persecution that's going to come from Nero is about to come like a tidal wave. And in 10 waves of persecution over nearly 300 years time, the Roman government will also persecute Christians. And so the Apostle Peter turns to that concept of the Trinity, our triune God, to comfort the people as he begins his letter, letting them know that their salvation rests in the triune God, which is our sermon theme today. So Peter begins telling us under his authority, the Apostle of Jesus Christ, and he says this is to the elect temporary residents in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. So here we have the doctrine of predestination. The first thing he chooses right away saying, greetings to you who were predestined. What a comfort when we face trials. What a comfort if we may lose our life, if we do not deny our Lord, to know we were predestined to go to heaven. And who does he apply that to? God the Father, the first member of our triune God. Now, especially because today is Father's Day, allow me to digress a little bit and talk about that father. See, God, when he created marriage in Adam and Eve, he created that to be a mini model of his relationship with his bride, the church. And he created fatherhood to also be a mini model, a visual representation of God the Father providing for us. 
Now, my father, with the employment he had, was often on the road and was only home on the weekends. My father planned things out. If things were broken, they were repaired when he was home on the weekend. He planned to make sure everything would be okay in his absence. But God the Father is never absent from you. God the Father is always there. And he planned something big for you. Before he even said, let there be light, God was planning to provide eternal salvation for you and make sure you would safely end up in heaven. Fatherhood is under attack today, brothers and sisters in Christ. Radical feminism sees fatherhood as an unnecessary institution and makes it nothing but an abusive and misogynist institution. Hollywood, turn on TV, watch, watch things on television, sitcoms, watch movies. How is the father over and over again represented? As a bumbling idiot. The four-year-old child is usually smarter than dad in Hollywood. That's not the institution of fatherhood. And certainly since Adam and Eve fell into sin, there are fathers who are deadbeat dads. But God the Father is the perfect father. He provides the rain for you. He rules over all creation for you. He has planned out from the beginning for you to arrive in heaven. He predestined you. And that verse 2 says, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. My very literal wooden translation of the inspired Greek that Peter wrote in is, elected foreigners according to God the Father's foreknowledge. That according is the tape measure. If it didn't measure up to this, then this was not what you were elected for. This is not why you were elected. Ruled out then is the fact that God would look into the future because he knows all things and see that you would resist the Holy Spirit less. Ruled out is the idea that you would make a decision for him if he just set up the right circumstances. No. Before God the Father said, let there be light, he already knew you. He already knew everything about your life. He knew all the decisions you could make. He knew all the decisions you would make. And he knew the outcomes of everything. And God the Father planned. The Greek word here, foreknowledge, doesn't just mean knowing what's going to happen in the future, but planning so it happens as you have planned. And so God the Father planned for you to come to faith and he planned for you to arrive safely into heaven on the day in which he planned. Not because you and I were so wonderful and holy, but simply because God the Father is love. Now God the Father wants all men to be saved, so we cannot say that God planned for specific people to go to hell. But he did specifically plan for you to go to heaven. And he rules over all creation for you. And as the people in Asia Minor are undergoing fiery trials, how comforting to know God the Father planned for you to go to heaven, and therefore He has planned around these hardships in life that they actually serve your eternal well-being. Sometimes they serve to discipline us so that we stop embracing a sin. Sometimes they plan to show us where we're not trusting in Him so that He can strengthen our faith. Sometimes they're there so that we can bring others to the faith when they see our trials, such as the entire book of Job, what Job endured with his period there of, of illness under attack by the devil. But brothers and sisters in Christ, God the Father has planned for you and works even in the hardships in your life. 
Now, allow me to digress for a minute. Jesus often called God the Father, Abba. That's Aramaic. If a child who's four years old, if their dad has been gone on a business trip or something and dad comes home, does the child approach the father, maybe give a slight bow and say, Oh, head of the household who so graciously provides for me, in your absence you have been sorely missed. Please give to I, your little one whom you provide for, a hug. No. A four-year-old child's not that formal. They scream, Daddy, and run to Daddy with open arms. Jesus calls God the Father, Abba, often, the Aramaic word, which is not translated as formally as Father. It is best understood as Daddy. Do you ever think of God the Father as your heavenly Daddy? As one who loves you so much that before He said, let there be light thousands of years before you were born, He planned to make sure that even your hardships in life would serve that you would end up in heaven? Does it seem every day of your life that daddy is right there holding your hand saying, I've got you, I love you, I'm taking care of you and providing for you. Don't worry, this really hard thing that's this really heavy cross that's crushing down upon you, I've got it. You don't even know how heavy it could be, but I'm holding it up so that just the right amount of weight serves your good. We can't see that, can we? Sometimes it seems like God the Father is off taking a snooze and isn't paying attention to us. That's why we need faith. So far we've seen your salvation rest in the triune God because you were elected by the Father who truly is your heavenly daddy that loves you. But he sends the Holy Spirit to create faith in your heart. And in that, God the Father has multiplied grace and peace to you because every day he's ruling in his grace because he's your daddy to keep you in his love and you have peace knowing he's not your angry judge. He's not there to just backhand you. He loves you. He has seen to it that your sins are forgiven and he gives you peace by giving you that Holy Spirit. So let's continue looking at verse 2. Elected foreigners according to God the Father's foreknowledge and you often hear me say you've got to pay attention to the prepositions. Allow my translation. In the sphere of the Spirit sanctifying, and another preposition, into the result of obedience. Now, our, our translation says that in better English. It says to be obedient. But the preposition there is really one, this is the result of it. The end goal, obedience. Now, what is obedience? The law makes ten demands on you. But it's like an umpire. It can only call them as it sees them. Strike! Foul ball! It can't empower you to hit the ball. In other words, it can't empower you to love your neighbor as yourself. It can't empower you to love your heavenly daddy with all your heart, mind, and soul and truly see him as a loving daddy. The law can't do that. All it can do is say, that's it, you screwed up, you're unholy. And if we only screwed up once in our life, we would prove to be unholy, but we do it virtually by the minute just in our thoughts. What is the obedience here? It's actually not the obedience of the law because it doesn't empower you. The gospel makes one demand. The good news of salvation in Christ demands that you believe it. As John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. So, the Holy Spirit works through the good news that you have a Savior. God, your heavenly Daddy, planned for you to come to salvation, sent His Son to take on our human flesh, and the Holy Spirit makes that message come to you, and then He enters your heart and gives you the faith. So in this way, 
you obey the one demand of the gospel. The gospel demands that you believe it and the Holy Spirit makes it happen. Ah, but your new man is now connected to Christ as a branch is to the vine. In the Athanasian Creed that we confess on Trinity Sunday, we said, we flatly stated, we will be judged by our works. But it's not that our works save us. That's Jesus' job. We'll get into that in a minute. But you see, with the Holy Spirit in our heart, as we were told, we were elected according to God the Father's foreknowledge in the sphere of the Spirit's sanctifying. The word used there that we translate as sanctifying means to be set apart, to be holy. In and of ourselves, we can do things that benefit our fellow man, but all the things we do, all the works we do that that seem good, they're a foul stench in God the Father's nostrils. But the Holy Spirit has given you faith, so he's created the new man in you. And that new man doesn't sin. Your sinful nature does, but your new man doesn't. And he does good works. We don't have to tell him to do good works. He does them because he's connected to Christ. God, the Holy Spirit, created him to do good works. So those good works are evidence of your faith. And when you have faith, you are saved. So it's not that our good works save us, but our good works are the evidence, the visible evidence that can be seen. And that's why we can confess that we will be judged by our works. They show that the Holy Spirit set us apart to be holy. Do we do it perfectly? Our sinful nature can't do it perfectly. It hates to do it. Our new man does. So we are sinner and saint. But we see that new man, that saint that is set apart to be holy. We are sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And once he has set us apart to the obedience, that one thing, one of the things that God demands is that we trust in him alone for salvation, not our works. And the Holy Spirit giving us that new man, our new man does that. And that's part of showing our sanctifying work. God wants us to come to his word and to be re-nourished every time we come to it. And so the Holy Spirit gave you that obedience. He shows you have been set apart for holiness because you are here today. You have confessed your sins. You have heard they're forgiven. You have trusted it and you are hearing the word. So your salvation rests in the triune God. You were elected by the Father. He's your heavenly daddy that loves you. You were sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And there we're told, may grace and peace be made yours in a multitude of ways. And the Holy Spirit does that because the faith he gives you assures you that you're at peace with God, assures you even when fiery trials are coming upon you in life, even when it seems like God is working against you, and at times it even seems like he hates us, the Holy Spirit has given you the faith to say, no, I know because of the blood of the Lamb, which we're going to get into here in just a minute, I know that this is a custom-tailored act of my heavenly daddy's love. And so you know that grace and peace are yours in a multitude of ways. Now we get to the Son. Once again, allow me to reread verse 2. Elected foreigners, according to God the Father's foreknowledge in the sphere of the Spirit, sanctifying into the result of obedience and the sprinkling of Jesus Christ's blood. Now in the Old Testament, if something was set apart to be used in the temple, for example, what was common, what was profane, had to be sprinkled with blood. It said that it was set apart for God's use, for His work. The blood also is what was sprayed upon to wash away sin. God became a man for you. He's your brother. He became a man to live perfectly in your and my place because let's admit it, neither you or I are sinless. 
So you have been credited with Jesus' perfect obedience because he never stumbled once. But he knew his life culminated in that cross. And there on the cross, he suffered the punishment of hell for you and I. And there on the cross, he spilled his blood. By that Holy Spirit in your heart, you now have a hand that is grabbing a hold of that cross and the blood of Christ just pours on you constantly, washing away our sin. So if we're going to stand in God's courtroom, if we're going to stand before our heavenly daddy, here's the thing. We have a big brother. And not only is he our attorney, he's our judge. And our big brother stands between us and our judge, who is our big brother, so that all that is seen is our big brother. Our big brother says, the client is guilty, but I was punished for him instead. And then he says, I don't know what you're talking about. All I see is you. All I see is my blood. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, the courtroom term that isn't so common in English today is justified. It's because of Jesus Christ that it's justified, never sinned. That's how you want to remember that term. Brothers and sisters in Christ, with a tidal wave of persecution coming, Peter points them right away to the fact that they are justified by the Son. And this is how grace and peace are multiplied to us. Jesus gives us that peace. We know, surely the blood of the Lamb is upon me. We know that by that grace we have the faith and we know that Jesus did all the work for our salvation and that our sins are forgiven. What grace and peace are multiplied to us every time we hear it. Yes, you and I probably are not going to suffer having to deny our Lord or die, but we still can endure fiery trials right here in America. But the Apostle Peter, to, to comfort the people, begins with that concept of the Trinity and the message is the same for you and I. Your salvation rests in the triune God. You were elected, predestined by the Father because He's truly your Daddy who is ruling over all creation because He loves you so that you arrive in the culmination of that grace and peace heaven. You were set apart to be holy by the Holy Spirit so that you have that obedience that is faith you trust that you are justified by the Son because He is your Savior and His blood is poured upon you every day. And so once again, God the Father is now your heavenly Daddy. The Almighty and merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you while making grace and peace be yours in a multitude of ways. Amen.